0: Hi, Cole. Welcome to the podcast, man. Um, So let's get a little bit of a background on you right quick. Kind of tell me about yourself.
1: Right. Um, Well, I'm originally from Canada, um, Alberta, Canada, and I come to Texas just to kind of be like everybody else and and get better. And I come at 17 and I'm 24 now.
0: Okay. And so coming from Canada, what do you do now? Like what is...
1: What is your profession you know strictly my main profession is is riding young horses and starting colts and and uh progressing them from there whether it's headed to the roping or you know whether it's going to be a cow horse or a barrel horse or those are kind of my three niches that i spend a lot of time in
0: and uh you've got a pretty good clientele of horses uh like to name a few clients give me give me like a few of your kind of your top
1: end guys that or guys or girls that you kind of ride for a little bit man my favorite team roper that i ride for um would have to be clint summers okay um i really respect uh the horses that they raise down there in florida and that they sent up to me they've all been real easy to start and get going to where they're good for him to rope on and and go and take in the right direction and he rides a rope horse so phenomenal um he's he's been very impressive to me and just always been a good friend and and been really good to deal with in the in the team rope and aspect of things
0: uh you got a few others too like i know that that you've got some barrel horses that you kind of like a little bit with some of the trainers there and you're pretty well-rounded as I guess, what I'm trying to go with this as far as the horses that you get to ride, right?
1: Yeah, you know, um, we ride some fraternity barrel horses, too, um, that go on to your very top-of-the-line fraternity barrel horse trainers. Um, you know, that's been a niche that I've been doing now for a couple of years just out of the fact it's been so easy to pattern them horses for them for them trainers. Um, you know, as for fraternity trainers, as to who I would just say does a really good job is um definitely Abby Fields, Lacey Harmon, Emma Abbott. These those are the kind of girls I would dang sure go ask questions like, right. hey, do, how do my horses look? And would this be something that maybe work for y'all? And then I ride some horses for a guy in, in Florida that that has some very phenomenal barrel horses. Right. So and and just I'm gonna name drop a little
0: bit. There's guys like Cody Snow that would be sending you some horses.
1: Yeah, um, Cody just sent me his first colt yesterday, actually. Okay. And uh I think Cody Snow is a phenomenal hand and uh and I'm excited to ride one for him and, and see if we can get it going in the right direction and he'll go on imagine rope on it. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that, that's just kind of a little background as far as um, I think Miles and Trevor as well. You do some stuff with them.
1: Um, yeah, Miles has is, is been a, a great friend to me, and um, I've uh, rode some horses for him, and uh, I try to look up to Miles. Miles is an outstanding hand and does a outstanding job, and uh, anytime you know, I want advice or what he thinks is effective later down the road mechanics wise you know he's my first phone call uh on the rope horse end i got you okay so 17
0: years old come to the states come down to texas uh what about as far as like your background growing up like how did you like what kind of takes you down this path of uh
1: getting into the horse training side of it man it's kind of a, a bit of a crazy story uh My grandparents had racehorses, and I hate racehorses. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and so I was lucky enough to be around some cowboys at a pretty young age and and realized I wanted to be a cowboy. I I didn't care for racehorses. I like watching the races from time to time, but I I hate being around them. And uh, then there was a guy, um, his name was Chance Harmon, And he uh, trains horses at Caleb Drigger's place now. But he was living in Canada at the time. And I called him and he was training cow horses. And I said, man, I want to come live with you. (laughs) And he was like, all right. (laughs) And so I moved moved in with him and uh, his wife at the time. And, you know, just got after it. And, you know, and that guy has put more time into me. Than than dang near anybody and i realized you know this cow horse roping cold starting deal was for me i want to i want to be a horse trainer and so from there i come to texas and there was a guy that uh his name is luke newbert and and he trained some phenomenal two-year-olds uh for the cutting and um has had a very successful career um you know, started a lot of fraternity champions and, and he's done a lot of great things in his life and his dad was an amazing clinician. And so he would has also been a huge influence on my cult starting and my cult riding. And if I, if I was to want my horses to look like anybody's, I'd want them to look like his. Right.
0: <laughs> okay. So being at a young age, wanting to train horses, is there, You know, were you always just kind of curious and wanting to like learn and get better with it or how because obviously coming to Texas, there's there's gonna be a spot where you're gonna be pretty humbled, I would imagine, where you've got to like learn and kind of wanna wanna go through this process of understanding how to train at a high level. And you know, what what is that kind of what was that mindset like for you as you're kind of getting down here and getting into
1: it? Man, um, the work ethic you gotta have um i i don't that's a rare trait and i think young horse trainers anymore you know your older guys they're not scared to work them 18 hours 20 hours you know getting ready for a show or um getting ready for an event and and i've always just kept the same work ethic i've had while i was working for somebody now that i work for myself we've never backed off we've just kept going real strong and as for Being humbled, we're humbled every day, (laughs) you know, and and it's a learning process every day. And there's so many guys I look up to in so many different areas where they're extremely successful. And I pick up the phone and, hey, can I can I come work? Can I can I bring my horses? Can I bring my customers horses? Can you help me? And I think that's the biggest key to to just getting better is is be willing to ask questions and never have a chip on your shoulder and, and just want to be better right how do you ride that line though
0: with uh because you want to be better but you want to believe in what you're doing too so how do you try
1: to ride that line man it's hard because some days you go out there and your horses are phenomenal and then the next day that you go out there and they're terrible <laughs> you know yeah. so it's a very emotional roller coaster and and. and it, What I've recognized from some great trainers is is just being steady with your emotions. And and that's something I, I struggle with. I get down. I'm, you know, shoot, this isn't good enough, you know? And, uh, so just trying to be steady with your emotions, I think, I think is your, your best bet and just really being hungry for it. Managing your emotions. Okay. So let's, let's go
0: into that. (laughs) Um, Obviously, training horses tests your patience all the time because the days are long. It's very repetitive, right? So how, how do you, you know? I think this is something everyone struggles with, right? How do you try to personally go about that as far as trying to maintain pretty, pretty even and being able to be consistent and, and have a good temperament?
1: man you're gonna laugh but youtube YouTube. <laughs> you know i watch i do I, i'm not scared to admit it i watch a lot of emotional motivational videos right every day okay like i wake up and i watch them and before i go to bed i watch them and you know and just i think being around a lot of older guys that have already reached their success and see how they carry themselves um you know, I've really just tried to match that. Yeah, because th- th- they've kind of set the, they,
0: they've kind of created a path, and so it's like, okay, well, this is what they've done. This is what they're they're saying.
1: Yeah. You yeah. know, in the team roping, um, the people I've looked to in that deal, you know, Miles, Baker, and Clint Summers. I mean, they never change. Right, they're day in, day out, grind it out. They don't. They don't change in anything in any aspect of their life. They're just very steady guys. And that's something I have to work on quite a bit. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I feel like that's
0: something everyone has to have struggles with, right? Because there's just so many different, pre- like there's pressure applied to you on so many different levels between training horses, right? Like your horse's performance, the financial end, you know, growing your business. Like there's there's a lot of
1: aspects that go into this, right? There's a lot of stress. it's not it's not what it appears. Um, there's a lot of overhead cost and there's a lot of expectations that sometimes are not realistic and you're trying to go out there and meet them. yeah you know and that's kind of the hard part of being a young horse trainer is you're gonna get lesser horses and try to do it more than the horse can do. Right. And that's been my biggest struggle is accepting that a horse is average and get it just above average right. instead of trying to make it phenomenal. And I see, um, you know, a lot of other young horse trainers that they, they kind of run into that same problem. And I've really tried to strategize and, and, and just accept and try to train the horse for what the horse is.
0: Yeah. And just get into that process right every single day just trying to to find the line of like how can you teach this horse them the most you know the most they can learn in one day without taking them back and like losing that confidence right and that's that's a it's a tough that's a that's a tough line to find because it's
1: a lot of feel too right it's a it's a lot of feel uh, it's a lot of education and it's a lot of knowledge um and, and it's just being confident enough to be okay with one percent a day i used to try to get a hundred right you know and now i've steadied up and i'm just getting that one percent a day and and we ride our horses six days a week and and it's been the best it's ever been for me and i think it's going the right way
0: yeah yeah um one percent every day I, I, we hear it a lot now i think and, and i think that's getting to be so, a really common theme you know in the podcast and it's like it's so true, though, right? Because it's one percent. Even if you're going after one, sometimes you get ten percent. And I think what's what's overlooked with this, um, at least from my perspective, is one percent every day means the confidence usually stays there, and the horse's mind frame is more like a a learning uh, mindset all the time. And when you get a horse that they're not really scared of what you're asking, and they're they're very comfortable and they're understanding what you want. It seems like you can get a bunch. Um, it just takes 10 days, you know, it, it to realize that, hey, this horse has came a long way. So it takes 30 days or 60 days. And you're like, Oh, man, this horse is really doing a lot. And it's mm-hmm. like, we it's hard for us to get down that. Or I mean, I for me, it is it's hard to look at it from instead of day to day, and what I want that day, as opposed to like, hey, where have we been in the last 30 days? And where, you know, where, where do we need to be in the next 30? You know, and it's it's really not as far as you think. And if you can get that, like I think that's what the one percent really translates to, is it creates a ton of a ton of good days in a row where you don't have any battles that seem to go backwards, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, a, a great cow horse trainer that lives uh, in Weatherford. He told me one time I was working a horse and I was pretty frustrated, and and he said, uh, "Think about what it's going to be like in three days." you know visualize day 3 from now and uh you know i think i think that's helped me a lot and even with the with the cult starting um you know something that miles actually said is i'd like to tell whoever that whatever you get done in 30 days do it in 60 and right. i thought man that's pretty dang intelligent because your your confidence building there you're getting to the horse mentally right you know you, you you know not saying it in a bad way by no means either but about anybody can cowboy one around but getting to that mental aspect and building on that to me is 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 a real horse trainer right you know and what you get later on down the road as you start to put pressure on them, as you start to go to an event and they start maybe falling apart a little bit, you've now got somewhere to go back to. Right. And I think that's a a step that is really a lot of feel and knowledge that you've really got to go out there and focus on. Like, okay, if this falls apart as a three-year-old, how can we come back and find that foundation right. and get to a mentally, you know,
0: so you, as a trainer, you're, you come down here to Texas and, um, who did you, was it at Drigger's house, right? Um, who, who are you training underneath or, or kind of helping you out? Or how did that kind of, how did that process go of like, take me through getting to kind of work underneath someone or like how you started to work on yourself as far as like your program and then kind of going out on your own or have you always been out on your own? Okay.
1: Um, so now, uh the guy chance Harmon, who i was living with in canada um he uh now lives at drigger's house okay and i still go over there and get help quite a bit and uh so that was kind of like my first boss and then um my second boss was luke newbert and um a very successful uh, cutting horse trainer and, and a very amazing horseman that's extremely legendary And then uh another guy that helped me also um was Hunter Menzer, who was another cutting horse trainer who had also cow horse quite a bit and was, you know, highest two-year-old selling guy for quite a while. He sold two year old four hundred and ten thousand and you know, kind of started that trend. And uh I got to be around him a lot and, and I worked for him. And then uh I've got to spend not as much time as I'd like, but uh time with Chris and Sarah Dawson who are amazing cow horse trainers and even let me live with their house when I didn't have anywhere to live. <laughs> and okay. you know, um, so I really I, I think they're the most amazing cow horse trainers there are. And then um I've just been doing my own deal now for a couple of years. Okay. And uh just been building on it and trying to build up.
0: <laughs> so a lot of the cow horse background is what you know what you've spent a lot of time like as far as like learning from trainers right Uh, let's talk about the the rope horse fraternities and 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 kind of the fraternity horses how how much of that has translated all the different disciplines right of kind of the show horses how is that translating to team roping and what's been your kind of experience with it as far as them going on on the rope horse side of it
1: man for me I'm I'm honestly pretty green in the rope I'd tell anybody I'm gonna I'm gonna go show one this year at the fraternities um but the what's been I think for guys that are professional team ropers that are showing these horses at the fraternities what's been so advantageous for them is is being able to have a broke horse and, and being able to have them mechanics to be effective in and be showy at a young age in it in it you know be so easy for them to take to account and 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 be able to to heal really well on them right you know there's just so many advantages behind a broke horse well and i think that's the whole thing right as they're as they're being
0: judged the mechanics are so important and framing on a horse is basically what like if you kind of kind of simplify I guess what they're going to be looking for is like how well a horse can control the run while staying framed up and and kind of making it look good right like being able to control them running down the arena like hazing them or if they run left kind of staying with them and how they set it up through the turn and then obviously how they hit their stops and take pressure over the saddle horn but that all comes from body control and the steer basically what the steer and the, the header are offering is like the variable in the run it's really not the same pattern every single time as much as we'd like it to be it's really not right right and so this is where the the little buttons that you can hit the the controlling the shoulders going down the arena further when you need to go down the arena throughout the turn and and, you know and that's that's where that kind of starts that all comes into play right and i think this is what's so cool about this is it translates throughout like it works at the fraternities but it translates to Roping in general, right? Like it translates to competing. And I think that's what's been so unique about it. I think that's why it's working so well is the, the fraternity horses look like they can just go on and become great rope horses. Right?
1: Yeah. I think the advancement, you know, we're starting to see in that deal and I, and I'm no professional team roper by no means, but what we're starting to see is with these fraternities and the amount of money that's getting behind it and the advancement we're starting to see in horsemanship on the roping side is is awesome you know and I, and I and it's awesome to see these professional guys that that just rope for a living kind of start taking interest in you know horsemanship and broke horses and and, and kind of taking it to the next level on four five and six year olds right and it's uh it's amazing what they've been getting done and and it's and it's been a great niche for me because I can, I can get them to that point where they can go and take them and and, and have that available to them and start making runs. Right. So, how long
0: do you think it takes? Like, I know this is a, this is a really loaded question. So we can we can like you know obviously it, it's going to be different with every horse, right? But like ideally, let's say if you're if you're going to have clients send you horses to start prepping, like if you're going to ride some four, they want to show some four to five-year-old heel horses. Um, what type of foundation would you want on them? And then how long do you think in a program, like with what you got, would you want to ride them for? <laughs> how does that kind of work as far as like bouncing them back and forth to to get them ready to maturity? And like with your riding, like kind of take me through that ideal scenario, how you'd like to do that.
1: Man, I'd like to see it just like, anything you know I like to see them get started their two-year old year and, and it just be easy for them when they're four right you know and I think some trend setters um so are you well so I'm like are you
0: starting them at two like is that something you want to do or do it too is is that where you're gonna take them from two to three or four is that yeah okay
1: yeah you bet and uh you know something I am gonna just kind of go back to my friend miles um you know I love that they got into the breeding and I love that they got into, excuse me, starting two-year-olds and taking them from two all the way to the six-year-old year. And then, you know, guys are going to go on and rodeo on them and jackpot on them. And, and I think that's the way it should be just because it's so much less pressure and you get so much better right. quality of a horse and more trained of a horse. So do you like
0: taking the two-year-olds is that, is that one of your favorite aspects of it is kind of the the younger horse at at that age, or what's kind of your favorite horses to kind of to be riding and you know what as far as like you personally, what you like what do you like the most about it?
1: my biggest my best strong suit is two year olds you know um that's been something that I've done just so much in three year olds you know that those are my strong suits, and I'd like to see myself advance into four through six and and be competitive and be better with rope and, and and tie it all together and be able to go all the way from two till six. Um, But that's a, that's a big feat, you know?
0: Well, don't you think that's such a great way for a young guy to get started? Because a two-year-old, you get them from the beginning. So you don't have to really deal with anyone's problems. Like, so it's just, you kind of can build the, like your training program and you get to start testing out your theories and like what you know. So, what you put into that horse is basically, you know, your knowledge. And so that's, that gives you really good feedback too, especially if you can manage like the humility side of it, knowing like, okay, maybe I did too much here. I, I might've skipped a step and not realized it, but it's like, that. that's probably a unique way to look at it. Right. Is that, is that something that you had planned on doing or just how it had kind of worked out?
1: You know, it's dang sure a part of my plan. You know, I'd like to, say shoot i rode this one from two to six and this yeah. is what i got done on them and this is my stamp and this is me and this is what my horses look like and 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 hopefully they like it and if they if they don't well shoot there's room to grow and if and sometimes people just aren't gonna like your horses right you know but uh that to me is is kind of the is the definition of like a true horse trainer right you know when did you find out like,
0: hey, this is what I want to do when like, you know what I mean? When you like truly love it, because I, I I guess the one thing like if you go to like listening to motivational stuff and it's like, well, obviously you're at a point where kind of got to dig deep, right? To kind of get moving. If you're riding a lo- bunch of horses a day or you're tired or whatever, those guys that have that, that great discipline that can keep doing it day in and day out, that's how they really separate themselves is they don't, it takes years to do it. But once they put years of work of the of a, a few hours more a day or a few more horses a week or whatever it is, that's how they really start separating themselves, right? So, at what point in time for you where you're like, okay, this is this is what I want to pursue? Because twenty four years old, right, right, that's yeah. that's young. Um, it's young, but it's not. You know what I mean? Like you you've had to have decided this when you're probably seventeen years old, sixteen years old. That hey, this is like I truly do love it. Or when and, you know, when did that kind of, like when was it, was there an aha
1: moment or how did that kind of come about? Um, you know, I'd always, always been around horses, um, obviously with my grandparents and all that and, you know, cows and, and whatever. And, and then, uh, you know, really my aha moment is I was 14 and I got to go uh, live with a guy that you know, they had a couple hundred thousand acres and, you know, full capacity was like 12,000 head turned out. And and I went and lived with him and I was like, man, this cowboy deal is pretty cool. And he wrote calves really well and he healed really well. And, and he did just pretty much everything really well. He started, you know, every, he was just kind of a jack of all trades. And I was like, you know, this is what I want to be. And hopefully, maybe one day I can be better than this guy. Right. And, uh, you know, I I didn't finish high school. I just worked, you know. And that was a strange thing to people. Right. Like, you know, oh, my gosh, you never finished high school. And, no, I just worked day in, day out for horse trainers. And, and that, that's just what I lived, breathed, and you know, there's been so many great guys to, to say, well, I never had a plan B. Yeah. And and I really don't. Right. <laughs> you know, but when I actually went executed, hey, I'm not going to have a plan B. I mean, it motivates you. And people kind of looked at it like that guy's crazy. But yeah. now that I think it's starting to go my way, well, all of a sudden the team changes. And they're like, oh, shoot. Well, maybe that wasn't that bad. but. At the time, you know, I was just fully committed and I've never looked back.
0: That, and I think that's a lot. isn't? It? It's due to like staying power, right? Um, obviously, if you're if you're getting to that stage with it where you're like, hey, this is all I want to do. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do anything else. You know, you're obsessing over it. So it's probably one of those things like because you're dreaming about it, thinking about it all the time. You wake up thinking about how you're going to ride. I'm like, you're constantly doing that. You're also asking guys as well. I think that's I think one thing that we, I think a lot of people overlook is if you, if you don't really want to reach out to people and try to get better, uh, it, there's gotta be some sort of insecurity there. Like you don't want to get exposed, like you don't want them, or you don't personally want to know like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not good enough. And I think that's, uh, that's something that can really hold people back as opposed to the other way where it's just, that's all you want to do. Well, then if you are at a spot where you don't know what to do, you're getting the same results, but you want to get better, you start reaching out and you go to people and, and you start studying under people and you're willing to what it, kind of whatever it takes, right, to, to get better, you know. And I think that's the, the obsession you must have to, to kind of reach a top, a, the top tier of any any field, right, or any craft that you choose to pursue. I, th- I've, I feel like that's a lot to do with it, right?
1: You know, I, I, I'd have to agree. I've been around some guys that are true winners. And uh, I mean, I've always kind of been that way since I was a kid. If, if if somebody did 15 push-ups, I did 18. I mean, I struggled through and I just bared down. But, uh, you know, and I'm not advising anybody to quit school or anything like that. It was a rare case for me. Um, I just had a very obsessive compulsive. I'm just that way. Right. And I just am that driven and, and want it that bad. And uh, you know, and I and I did it with zero funds. Okay. I mean zero. Right. <laughs> and you know, if it had hair, I would ride it. Right. And you know, that's still my approach, you know, whatever it takes, we will do and just try to do our customers the best job we can do.
0: Right. Okay. So The no money aspect, is that something that, what's that battle like as far as going from, because that's probably why you went out on your own a little bit earlier, right? As opposed to riding underneath someone, is the idea of making, making a little bit more money, being able to kind of control the situation, right? Is that, is that correct? Or how, you know, as you start, as you start doing that, is that kind of take me through the game plan financially, is like how to, how that works as far as going from, Riding underneath people, trying to train some horses, because I'm sure you're taking just whatever type of outside horse you can get. Yep. And you're trying to make it work, but you know the direction you want to go. Yep. And uh, take me through that. Like, how, how do you try to build that financial plan to to be successful and kind of get your own program
1: rolling? Um. Well, from 17 to now, you know, like working for horse trainers, I was very opportunistic. Um, there was always kids that were working alongside of me. that never got to show. And I got to show, um, because I worked that hard right. and, and I, I was the first one there and I was the last one to leave and you hit the nail on the head. I didn't hardly make nothing. Yeah. And that was a sacrifice. I was fully prepared to pay. And so finally I got to where I want to build a business. You know, I want to have my own assets and uh, I want to grow this thing. And so I stepped out and I said, hey, I'm going to ride horses for the public and I'm going to turn it into a show horse deal one day. And I mean, if it had hair, <laughs> I rode it. And I'll, I've been lucky enough. The guys that are usually really good horse trainers are also very good businessmen. Right. And I've taken a lot into account of reinvesting every penny back into my business. I'm very I'm not stingy but pretty close you know yeah. um you know uh, and I've went several other ways too i I invest money in the stock market i, I you know you got different sources and avenues of income to say you know, if you do get bucked off and break your back tomorrow, you know, you're, you're going to need to be able to have a couple months to where you can heal up. And and I've tried to protect myself that way. Um, luckily, I was advised by some guys that, you know, been training horses for a long time and, and, and just they knew I would listen and they knew I'd take their advice. But it's a struggle. It It's a struggle every month when, you know, um, at all numbers scale the same. If, if you're me and you're floating 12,14,000 a month, it's no different than the guy floating 1200 a month or the guy floating 120,000 a month. It's all a struggle. And, and to me, it's just being good with your money and putting it all back into your business. Yeah. You know,
0: don't you think it's important to be broke, like, and to like struggle because it, as you do better and better, it teaches you those little lessons like, don't blow your money on something that you don't need. Like you kind of know how hard it is to earn like the appreciation of how hard that dollar is to come by is uh, I think that's a, it's just a really valuable lesson or I I don't know it is for me. What what do you think about that?
1: Man? um, I know there's days I'm out there and I'm frustrated because you know i see a kid with a hundred thousand dollar horse and you know just went and bought it and i think man that must be nice yeah and i'm out here struggling with one that's a little green or being tough but it's made me a way better horseman and it's made me a way better hand and i think it's made me a better person and i think You know, there'll be times when I do in my future, give a lot for a horse and I think I'm going to appreciate it a lot more, but then on top of it, I'll be able to do a lot more with it. Right. But it's been hard for me to have a positive mindset at times because, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the flash. I mean, it's very easy to get caught up in what you show up in, what, you know, what kind of horse your parents bought you, if that was the case or what horse you just went flat out right bought and come to find out it's not what truck you drive it's not what trailer you have it's how good of a hand you are and how good your horses are nobody really cares right and I used to get super wrapped up into that like I always kind of felt just a little bit of like well I wish I had that Yeah. You know, and and now that I'm not so obsessed about what everything looks like and and care more about what people value me as a person or what they think of my abilities, that's helped me, you know, um, just be a better person.
0: Absolutely. Does it motivate you too, as far as like seeing someone that might be like further ahead financially or whatever it is? can afford the horse or whatever does it is that something you just like you know like are you david goggins guy like
1: oh uh, yeah it burns like, a hole in me <laughs> add, add,
0: add that to your cookie jar you know yeah, I mean? yeah you
1: know um yeah i mean i'll be out there 11 o'clock at night working horses and we might have started six that morning we're just stealing souls like yeah. david goggins would say but yeah it motivates me absolutely it burns a hole in me but uh you know, and I think it's, I think it's, if managed, right, you know, that's a a good quality to have um, when you're, when you're self-made, I think that's a great quality if managed, right?
0: Well, I think the the important thing, and this is what's so fun about doing this podcast, right, is I get to talk with guys that are uh, further along with their careers, guys that are early into it, like yourself, and you kind of get to dive into the the mindset that you have. And the, you know, the, being able to go with the process like you're talking about and find the, and the little things that keep you motivated. I think it's good. Um, the big thing I think that a lot of guys that struggle with is staying healthy with how, you know, one way or another, right. If it's like, if it is something that kind of adds that chippiness to you, you kind of get a little, you can get hateful, right. And, and, and it's, that's hard. And then the other thing is you can, if you're worried about money all the time and don't feel like you got enough, well, you're going to try probably too hard on your horses and you're going to overtrain and overdo it on some and you're probably going to start messing up some horses, right? So it's like the the ability to to do that, um, you know, to manage it. And it can be the exact opposite way, too. Like if you're making a bunch of money, and you're like, I, I really don't have to stay out late and ride them early. And I think this is why it's important, right, to go through these struggles at a young age, because it gives you that foundation, right? Of kind of learning like, Hey, this is the process. I have to work it every
1: single day if I want to get where I want to go. Right, man. I, I would agree with all of that because I don't know if anybody else has come on this podcast and said it, but I've done it all. I've screwed horses up. I've tried too hard on horses. You know, I don't think there's ever been a time when maybe I backed off and was like, oh, we better, it's all right, boys, we'll just, we'll take the day off. You know, they feel pretty good. I've never had that about me. Like, I ride every single horse, every single day. Like, I've been always a very consistent person at a young age, which you don't really see that a lot. Right. That kind of consistency year in, year out, at a young age, day in, day out, you don't you don't see that as often, but now trying too hard, that's been my biggest flaw, right? You know, and I've, as I mature and get older and get more experience and get more knowledge, I mean, it starts to even out.
0: So does that mean, you know, when you're trying too hard, there's, there's a few ways to take that, right? Because there's over, overdoing it or over overtraining your horse or just being unable to man like manage your emotions right like that's going to be something that's going to pop up but is it more or less like the winning side of things or the like the selling the horse side of things or building it up or how does it how does the trying too hard how have you tried to like manage that as far as like realize okay this is actually costing me money this is actually costing me like getting better What are some ways that you, like, self-evaluate and try to
1: understand that? Um, I try too hard in every area of my life. Right. all the time. And I take it too far. I'm a bit of an extremist. Um, Back to my obsessive-compulsive, you know, behavior. But to start off um, where I would try too hard is... You know, like I touched on earlier, is taking an average horse and trying to make it a great horse. Right. I felt like, you know, I've got this customer, you know, he he has the ability to, you know, spend some money and maybe get us a great horse. And so I would just try extra, extra hard. And quite honestly, it was detrimental to me. And now just going for that one percent every day has right. taken an average horse and turned it into a good horse. That mindset you know 100%. instead of coming at them with a hundred percent every day right you know
0: does it do you ever feel like you're gonna get burnt out or do you burn out at times then if you're if you' go that because like I always love this quote but it's like you know everyone's like well I give 110 percent or 120 percent well it's like well how do you fill a glass up with 120 percent full of water right like it's gonna overflow and I always thought you can only do as much as you can do and so
1: if you feel that way like how do you prevent yourself from burning out then? man i don't have a great strategy like thursdays I sit in the tack room and i'm just looking at the wall and i'm just <laughs> like well you know <laughs> you know just bear down right here but yeah don't i i don't think there's anybody that's just super successful that's never sat in the tack room and just stared at the <laughs> wall <laughs> you
0: know I, this hits home for me <laughs> like there's just times you're like wow Like you kind of got to, you got to just know you got to grind it out, right?
1: You just got to grind it out. And I mean, I'm bad. Like I talk to myself. I just have conversations. I'm like, Cole, what are we doing? You know, like, and I get on my phone and and I watch TikTok, you know, and I just try to find that motivation, Um, you know, and I make phone calls. I do. I call older guys and like, hey. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm fighting. Is there something I need to be doing different? You know, I'm very big on getting on the phone and just ask advice because they've been there. They've been in the tack room staring at the wall. Yeah. You know, like what am I doing?
0: What do they say? What is like, you know what I mean? You know, when you're at that, I mean, we're all there. I, I feel like I live in that spot constantly. I question myself, like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Right. And, uh, And you got to be able to answer that. That's really important. You got to be able to answer that question because if you can't answer that question, then
1: what am I doing
0: with my life? I might be wasting it,
1: right? You will burn out if you can't answer it. Yeah. If you can't answer that question after you've sat there for 15 minutes, kind of got yourself steadied up. Yeah. uh, This isn't for you. Right. You know, and and my answer is, is because I have a goal, I'm going to reach that goal and that's who I want to be and that's who I live to be. And, you know, I've got guys I looked up, look up to, and quite honestly, I could never, like, imagine myself letting them down. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine letting myself down either. You know, this has been a lifelong dream. Just because my horses suck today doesn't mean I'm going to quit. Right.
0: <laughs> just because you're having a bad day with it or they're not doing, you know, it's not going your way, it doesn't mean you're done, right?
1: Just because my phone dinks. You know, dings, and my credit card says, Yep, you've maxed out. You know <laughs> yeah. you know. We're not just going to throw it in the air and yeah. quit. We're going to keep going. And uh, I call them, you know, I call them older guys that have been through it all, whether they've rodeoed or whether they've shown horses or, you know, a lot of them guys, you look at them now and you see all the success and the financial advantages they have and all that. But you, we forget they were 24 at one time. Yeah. And most of them, the most part have been through what we've been through. You, I got a weird deal. I
0: do. I, I don't know if this is a good idea or not, but this is what I've always done is I've just tried to envision myself, like being older and then being successful, right? Like kind of, kind of got to that spot that I wanted to be. And then I, I kind of think of that person and what, he, like what I would want. And I think I would want to be the young me again of not knowing whether this is going to work or not. And you kind of, you know, you're scared of like, what's going to happen, right? Like what I'm going to be, like how it's going to turn out. Right. And then that is what makes it so exciting is it's like, you know, you're young, you're healthy. You got a lot ahead of you, but there's that big unknown. And I just always like go back to, well, I'm going to make it because I have no other choice. Right. You don't want to fail and you don't want to let yourself fail. So you gotta, you gotta figure it out. I was like, I'll, when I get older, I'll always want to, like, I'll probably miss this time the most of being, being broke, having the hardest things to figure out. And, you know, you'll probably miss that the most as, as you get successful. And I, I, that's what I try to hang on to a lot of the time. It's just like all the sacrifices you make and the things you do is like that. That's what makes sense to me. I don't know. That might, I might be kind of crazy, but that's, that's how I can always just like look at it. You know what I mean? When it, when it does kind of suck and you kind
1: of got to, got to be doing stuff
0: you don't want to be doing day in and day out. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, I, I know what you mean. And, and, and what honestly kind of vice versa to that is I think about what it's going to be like at 30, yeah. you know, and I think about the advantages and I think about the horses I'm going to have and I think about the place I'm going to own. And, you know, that's kind of what motivates me.
0: Are you real specific with that? Like, as far as like goal setting, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, this is where I kind of want to be. Or, uh, how how does that kind of work as far as, um, you know, the, the path you're, you're trying to go down. Are you like, are you goal setting or what's that look like?
1: For me, I'm a big goal setter. I I really believe in it. And, uh, you know, I think if you, if, if you just one bite of the elephant at a time and set little goals and then set goals five years from now. And, in where I used to kind of mess up a little bit is I just tried to eat the whole elephant at one time, (laughs) you know, I was pretty, pretty on the muscle and ready to run and gun. Um, but now that I think, you know, as you get older and and mature and you're, you're around the right guys, you start realizing that the one bite of the elephant is how you win the race. Yep. And, uh, that's hard for me because i'm super ambitious right and i always want way too much
0: absolutely (laughs) but that's the best way to be right you know if you can manage the ambition like that's it's going to keep you going right and that's going to keep you moving forward at all times and i think that's i think that's what creates a lot of successful people because if you're ambitious you're going to see opportunities right and you're going to understand it um I think ambition with humility is very important, all right, Is being able to self-evaluations, know when you're you're not doing the right things and kind of messing up, and then you can, then you can kind of continue to to improve. So um, the next thing for you is the actual like confidence side of things. How do you try to maintain that? As far as being a younger guy training horses, you know, how do you try to maintain your confidence and kind of Knowing what you're doing is the right way and and being able to uh, to obviously take advice in and and process things, but there's also isn't there times where you're going to get advice and you might not agree with it right like it might it might work for someone else, but it doesn't work for you. so how do you manage that side of the the you know the confidence and believe in what you're doing?
1: um you know as I get older, uh, it becomes easier and easier um, I think. When you start seeing uh, bigger customers come, um, when you start seeing results in your horses and they go off, and, and maybe somebody else even wins on them, I'm completely happy with that. Uh, and then I'm I'm pretty big into studying. I like watching whether it's head and heel and cow horse and cutting. I I like watching barrels. Right. I, I study everything. And, you know, and, and there's going to be a lot of things that people tell you that's just simply not going to work for you. And you just got to smile and say, thank you. You know, thank you for taking the time to tell me that. And you can go home and try it. If it don't work for you, it don't work for you. And I've been in the bind of I tried to make it work for me, you know, and now I've just realized either it fits me naturally And it fits my program naturally, and it's organic, or it doesn't. And instead of trying to force that into my program, just because somebody more successful than me told me to do it, I've really stepped away from that. Right. You know, if it it fits my deal naturally and my horses seem to get better with not a whole lot of effort, I'm going to stick with it. If I'm out there grinding it out and it's not going my way, I'm not going to just keep applying that pressure and right. keep applying that concept.
0: I like that. Then uh, the other thing I think is kind of unique with this is as when you do get advice at this stage, right? That, hey, that that is a good, that is something I could use to my riding. So to me, like being a great horseman is feel, right? Knowing when to give the cue, knowing when to get out. Is that is that, we agree on that, correct? Yeah. Okay. So you personally, When you get some something that you want to work on, how long do you gotta consciously think of something like that to add to your game and your writing? And like how long before that's just down and you've got that actual feel of what that move is now?
1: I mean, I I think it takes pretty dang close to sixty days to make a habit even for a person. Right. You know, and so I'm very repetitious about it. If I learn something. I practice it every day, all day for 60 days till it just becomes natural. Okay. You know, I, 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 and I believe that in horses too. I really do. I think you're to build a habit, one habit, I pretty dang close to 60 days. I'd like to say.
0: Right. Especially where like it's happening, you can feel it, then you correct it and you're in and out uh, with your, your pressure. And it's something you kind of, you know, that you can, you can get there with. And I think that's, I mean, I gotta agree, I know that it's it takes a long time, but I think the hardest thing about being a the horseman that feel side of it and the timing side of it takes years and years to get to just get starting to get a good feel right, and then there's all the the little bells and whistles that you're kind of adding to your you know your horsemanship and little cues and things that you might do or something that you may have felt before and known, oh, this is what I need to do to kind of help this this style of horse out because. They all kind of learn different too, don't they?
1: Yeah, you know, and I think everybody's got their own style. You know, I think once you understand the basics and you get the knowledge and you get the education, well, then kind of right at this point in your career, now you're going to start having a style and and your horses are going to have a certain look and people are going to know those are your horses because they function this way. Right and uh I think I think that's a great thing.
0: When did you learn that as far as your own style goes? Because I think that is hard to to know at a young age, right? When did you start realizing, hey, I'm gonna have my own style as a rider?
1: I think I've just studied horses so much and studied guys so much that I would watch my videos and compare it to their videos or I might go to their house and watch their horses and they watch my horses or they might even let me ride their horse and they ride my horse and then, you know, and and I don't even think I'm all the way there yet. I think I'm just on the tip of the iceberg of really setting a different style out there. I don't think it's in stone yet by no means. I think this
0: is, it's tough too, to, to understand that for the, like the same way with like a heading swing or a healing swing, right? Like we, so many of us try to like mimic that style and make it be like someone else or a swing that they like. The hard part about that is we're not built the same. Our hand-eye coordination doesn't work the same. There are some key components to everything that makes it work but there are very few people that have the exact same swing, exact same style. In fact, there's like, there's probably less than four or five that I could even think of as far as in the team repping world. And I notice it when you watch someone throw a football, you watch someone shoot a jump shot, it seems to be all different. So it's like how your body can tell you, tell your muscles to, to kind of, to see that and to kind of, to create that that shot or whatever it is and i think it's the same way riding horses right and giving cues is knowing like hey where do you get your timing and your feel from like where does that go how do you you know how do you hit those buttons and it's it's going to be a little bit different with every single person right
1: oh for sure you know i you know my legs and arms are longer than yours you know i can reach to a different spot on a horse than you can um you know, I, as for feel and, and timing in and, and, and that, um, that, that quite honestly, like, I feel like has come to me a little bit naturally. And then I've just rode an astronomical amount of horses for my age. But I know exactly where you're coming on the flip side of it, where I lack the most is is with my rope, and yeah. then I'm out there and I'm trying to mimic guys. And you know, I wish my swing, quite honestly, looked like Shea Carroll's. Yeah. And I've been working on that for six months. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I do not swing a rope like Shay Carroll. Right. And I would love to. But I just, and I've go to his house and get help. And hey, this is how I swing my rope. And I still can't figure it out. You know, but um sometimes too, like just forcing something just does not work. You know, and that's, that's where even like with my, with my rope and being green, I've had to back myself off in that area and like not try to force myself to be identical to somebody else Right. and figure out even my own style of swinging a rope Yep. just because my arms are long. I'm real tall, you know, I'm not built super strong, you know? So that's, I think it all relates on each side, you know? Yeah. I can relate to you, and you can relate to me. <laughs>
0: well, and I think just understanding that because it it can kind of lead into a trap. I think of trying to be like someone, and if you are constantly trying to be like someone else and have this style that you see, well, it takes away from what you feel. Yeah, and so there is it creates a disconnect, and and I think this is where you know, like the the greatest guys in the world separate themselves. Because they can pick on those things and they can work on specific little things and they do it for years at a time and they put in a ton of effort. And so they, then they, they have a great style to, to kind of at some point, like when they reach a pretty high level, but their work ethic kind of lets them kind of, I guess you'd say like refine it down and just kind of keep sharpening that skill up. And that's, I think that's what it, like, that's how you get to the very top one percent in your field is once you once you have that a good style a good feel like you got a lot of it going on and then you've really refined it and sharpened that down to how you feel it and how you can do it as opposed to like what you see with someone else right and they're there they know how they can compete and they're they can do whatever that task is and i think that's that's kind of what takes it to that that top top tier i right? at least that's how i see it i don't know that could be that could be wrong right I find that I'm, I'm wrong all the
1: time, really. Well, you and me both. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, man, I really appreciate you coming on this podcast. Obviously, we did a video shoot. Um, we got
1: anything else we want to add or talk about? Shoot, sure, I just appreciate you having some guy like me on your show. That's no. awesome.
0: And this, like I said, this is my favorite part about this whole deal is I enjoy the the young guys that are making it, you know, that are, that are putting the effort in that are willing to, to be all in like you are. And, and I think that's, what's so important about this is it's like to, to kind of hear your, your story and what what it's like. And, and I think it makes it, um it makes it to where people kind of understand like, Hey, if I want to go down this path, you know, this is, this is what it's going to be like,
1: Better back alive. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> be staring at that tack room a little bit. Yeah. You'd know you be mean? staring
1: at that tack room wall. And, and, you know, I, I just appreciate you having me come on and, you know, and, and if you ever want to go into depth more about cold start, you know, that's definitely in my strong suit. And let's, let's do it. I
0: like it, try like to help it. people. No, I think that's, uh, I think it's really cool, because it is, it is becoming so important, right with the foundation on the horses. So I think it's uh, it used to be with the especially with the team open side is it's hard to take a six, seven, eight year old kind of gelding that might not be that broke. Um, and make them into a really high end rope horse. It does happen, but it's not as easy. And if you're starting with a really good foundation and you've got these horses where they're very under control and their movements and their body controls, they have such great feel. It just makes it so much easier. Like it's, well, it's really just up to us as a rider when we hit a certain age, like, how can we communicate to this horse what we're wanting? Because they more than likely know what to do. It's just how we ask it of them. And so that's, I think that's what's becoming so unique about this and why the, the horsemanship and the needs to, needs to match up with it. And also why that foundation of these young horses needs to be uh, emphasized. Right.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, I think there's just so much opportunity now with four year olds, five and six year old. I think, you know, it's going to be great for the sport team are opening and going to really bring a lot of great, horsemen to it and, and and guys that were maybe strictly just really really ropey are gonna you know really start refining their horsemanship and and i think it's gonna be a great deal for everybody i agree
0: well thanks again i appreciate you coming on man all right thank you